It is a fact that there are only two ways to get divorced, by settlement or by trial. Settlement means that you and your spouse reach an agreement on the terms of the divorce without the judge making the decision. And trial means that you put on evidence and testify before a judge, and then the judge will make the decision based on the evidence and testimony of the parties. Those are the two ways, settlement or trial. Girlfriends, we're chatting today so that you know the best path for getting you to settlement or trial. Because getting there may look different depending on the path you take to resolution. We are so lucky today to have lawyer and law professor Stephanie Tang with us to break it all down. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this conversation because, you know, many people go into divorce or family matters thinking that all divorces are people fighting everything out in court. But, you know, we know that it doesn't have to be that way. There are different paths. There are different options. And there are certain names that people may not always be familiar with. So things like mediation, collaboration, or even the formal turn of litigation. So can you kind of set us on the, in the right direction and talk just a little bit about each of those um, as far as the different paths to get to settlement or trial? Sure. So I'll start with litigations because that's probably the most well-known one. Litigation is your traditional courtroom TV, person on person, battling it out in court. Um, it's the judge is making your decisions for you. If you can't reach a resolution, it's going to go to the judge, whether it's something as simple as who gets the dining room table or yeah. who actually gets the marital residence or who has primary custody of your minor children. Um, mediation is a process that can be attorney assisted, which means that an attorney will attend with you or that you will attend by your, uh, with, I guess your spouse, um, soon to be X and a mediator who is a third party neutral. And the mediator's job is to really look at your needs and interests and reality test some solutions for you. Mediation provides people with more of a voice in their process. The benefits are innumerable in terms of allowing people to really discuss the underlying needs and interests and having a solution within their agreement that's catered to their specific family's needs, that um, looks at their particular family situation and their particular children's needs, and really helps to uh, open a future of, of effective co-parenting relationship, as well as just a more healthy emotional state kind of moving forward if there aren't any children as well. Now, the final process is uh, collaborative divorce. Collaborative divorce is a process where the parties, again, they meet with their two attorneys and it's a team approach. The two attorneys then also have, there's also a financial neutral and a mental health professional, usually known as a coach. Um, sometimes there are additional team members, including a child specialist or other financial uh, specialists, depending on the party's assets. In the collaborative model, the parties work with their attorneys and the rest of the team to really, again, carve a more holistic approach, a holistic agreement to cater to their particular family situation. In both mediation and collaboration, 
it has, again, the benefit of looking particularly at your individual children's needs, your individual as a person's needs, and really kind of trying to come with up with creative solutions as opposed to asking, just deferring to a judge to make those decisions for you as would be in the event of a litigated case. That's fantastic. I, listen, that's like textbook response 101. So I think it's so, so, so helpful that people understand options, right? But then really get like a true sense that one size doesn't fit all, right? And so we know that as you've referenced, you know, in litigation, this is what people traditionally think of. This is the model. This is, you know, judge and, you know, parties going back and forth. And, and, and that works for some families and it's necessary in some, for some families. Then you have the mediation process and mediation, certainly, you know, you spoke to, and we'll, we'll really dig into to mediation um, a little bit later in the conversation, but you hit on something that's really key it really focuses in on people having a voice and their ability to kind of navigate and determine what is best for their family. Because it's very possible that what's best for them as far as a resolution may not be best for somebody else's family, but it's certainly not a cookie cutter approach. And then you've got, you know, this last model, which is the collaborative model that has you know other individuals in place to kind of help the family move in the direction towards towards resolution so when we're thinking about these options you know how important is it for someone who's getting a divorce or thinking about a divorce to know what options they have in the process i think it's very important i think the biggest thing with divorce is that it's a marathon, not a sprint. I think people often come to me and they ask, how quickly can I get this done? Yes. That is the number one question, probably after how much is it going to cost me? That's right. One and two, right? Hand in hand. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so I think along those lines, I think picking out which process is right for your family and your situation is definitely going to affect what the costs are and how long the process will take. Um, I think with litigation, it, people think that it can go really quickly, but honestly here in Cook County, it's drags uh, for oh, months yes. at a time. Uh, the deadlines aren't always adhered to. And if the deadlines aren't adhered to, then you go on and ask the court to hold uh, your uh, spouse or soon to be ex again uh, in what's called contempt of court. And this can kind of keep going on and on for months at a time. Uh, whereas in mediation, it can help. You can kind of schedule with the mediator. You can have those conversations and you can go at the pace that you're kind of comfortable with as well, mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to at the pace of whatever the judge's schedule is. So that's something that's very important to consider from the very beginning. I think also in terms of looking at the, the differences between the processes in and of itself, I think being aware and looking at yourself in terms of the awareness of your family situation is really important. And by that, I mean, looking at the level of trust that remains between you and your soon-to-be ex yes. and the level of communication that you and your soon-to-be ex can have. Mediation and collaboration will not work if you do not have a basic level of trust, transparency, and communication with your spouse. You'll get into that room 
you'll say, I don't know anything about the finances, for example. And then the other spouse say, I don't want to give you any information about the finances. <laughs> that will not lead to a durable agreement. Right. In both cases, there's really mediation or collaboration would not be the best fit in terms of process for you. But you need to know that from the very beginning. Well, and I think, you know, that's so that, that's key. I think that one of the things that you have to ask yourself, right, in, in all um, of these ways, what's my goal, right? So if your goal truly is to get divorced, then the next step is, then how do you want to get there? Because Yes, it's easy to ask the lawyer, you know, how much is this going to cost and how long it's going to take? And one of the things that I used to always respond to people would say, well, it depends on how everybody plays. Because if we can't all play nicely, then it's going to take longer. It's going to get more expensive, right? But how you show up to the process, how you respond to the process dictates how much it's going to cost and how long it's going to take. And so when you were just talking about mediation, I completely agree being the person who's sitting in the room as the mediator, knowing that if the two of you don't trust each other, if everything that one person says is going to be dismissed, then we can't move forward in the process. Does it mean though that every mediation means everybody is kumbaya and everybody is loving, but you have to have a basic level of trust. You certainly have to have the ability to say, okay, I am able to put aside certain things to try to reach a resolution or I'm open to consideration. Because if you're not in that space, then really the path to resolution in mediation or say even in collaboration um, is, is unrealistic, but I'd love to hear from you, your thoughts on changing paths throughout the process, because I have the experience on both ends of people coming in to me for mediation, mediation breaks down within the first you know, session because they don't trust each other. Nobody wants to work together and it's a complete disaster. And then they go to litigation and all of a sudden, maybe three months later, maybe even two weeks later, I get a call. They want to come back. A part of it has to do with money and a part of it has to do with the reality of litigation. So what are your thoughts when you, when you think about, you know, starting out in a process, what are your thoughts about really navigating the process and then transitioning depending on, you know, what the needs are of the family. Sure, absolutely. And I think what's important to kind of preface the answer to this question is, is that mediation can be done on a limited scope of issues. Yes. So if you enter into mediation, it doesn't mean that you have to mediate everything. Um, if you think like we're, we are very aligned in terms of wanting to act and do what's in the best interest of our children. We just may have different parenting styles, but we would like the help of a mediator to help mediate parenting issues. But there is no way we're on the same page regarding finances. Right. You can switch between the processes in that way. So you can start with a mediation on the parenting time issues, which actually is mandatory and becoming increasingly mandatory uh, nationwide for trying to resolve and promote a co healthy co-parenting relationship and really talk about the core things related to your children. So decision-making for them, 
a regular parenting schedule for them, how you're gonna allocate the holidays, those major decisions regarding parenting and see if you guys can come to an agreement on that. If, it, if we focus on that and focus on that as a goal, then it can help also promote the goals of mediation and the success of mediation overall. If you are really trying to focus your scope uh, during the mediation sessions, I think where mediation often falls apart is where people are like, I want to talk about everything under the sun as it relates to my at one time. Yes. <laughs> at one time yes. in the first session. And this is costing me a lot of money. So I want to make, uh, get everything out there in the first session and get everything resolved. And if it doesn't get resolved all in the first session, I'm done. Yeah. (laughs) Done. Mediation is a failure. It doesn't, wasn't worth it. Um, And I think that is not the right way to approach the mindset of mediation. I think really thinking about, okay, let me try to get these smaller agreements in place. Let me try to limit the issues as much as possible. Right. If I am, if I ultimately it breaks down in a more contentious issue or in the finances or what have you later on, and we need to go to litigation, at the very least, we have resolved the parenting time. We have something in place for our children, or we've resolved at least some part of it that can help us move forward. And that can also save you on fees as well. If you're able to resolve anything, even yeah. if it's just the littlest thing, um, as part of your parenting plan, that's one less thing you have to fight about if it if your case had to move backwards, uh, not backwards, but move back to litigation. <clears throat> Sorry, well, I think, go ahead. No, that's great. I, I think that people um, really lose sight of that, right? It's it If your focus is about cost and if your focus is about time, then one of the things that you really should look to is a path that is going to allow you to get the most bang for your buck. And I can tell you that that's not going to be filing documents with a court and waiting on the court's calendar. And that that's not the path. If your true focus is, I want to try to, you know, get this done. And I agree also that even if you can set out by saying, okay, here are the things that I think we are on the same page on. Maybe that is finances. You know, some some couples, the money is not the issue and it's parenting. And they want to start with how do we, how do we address a budget or how do we address support and, and how do we allocate certain things or I'm going to keep the house and he's not. If you can almost kind of say, okay, when we look at the paths to resolution, here are the things that we know we can really kind of narrow in on. And then these are the other focus areas because you really can go between whether it's, you know, the traditional uh, model and litigation and say, okay, we actually need the judge to weigh in on these issues, but we're going to use this other way. So maybe that is mediation um, to help us resolve some of these other, some of these other things. You, you know what I find interesting though is that you know people always think about and talk about this idea of going to trial. And we know that most cases don't end up going to trial. So can you kind of weigh in and 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 give some thought to you know what one trial really is, but then two, how people 
um, can get all the way up to kind of the time of trial and then say, okay, there's a way to resolve certain things, whether that's direct negotiation or then again, moving into something like mediation. Sure. I think what I'll say is that very often what happens with trial is that you go all the way up until the day of trial. You have the exhibits prepared, your testimony is ready to go if necessary. And the judge calls the lawyers back and says, is how, what are the remaining issues? How far apart are you? Is there any way that you can reach a settlement? Um, knowing that trial, going to trial is going to be at least a few days of testimony, if not, and depending on how long your case is set for trial, it could be delayed another few months if you don't finish the testimony by the end of the time that you have allotted to you. Uh, knowing that trial in and of itself, even with everything kind of prepared still, will probably cost another at least ten dollars to $20,000 minimum, uh, minimum. <laughs> yeah. uh, even from the point where you've already prepared all the exhibits, yes. just the testimony part alone yes. will have to cost that much money. If you are down to one final issue or two final issues where the monetary value is less than that, just split it and, and call it a day. Like someone, it's kind of a game of chicken almost where someone finally just needs to say like, it is not worth the money and the time that it will take and all of the emotional burden that it's going to be to go to trial. Um, and that's ultimately the reality of it is that that's how a lot of cases settle at the 11th hour. Um, the reality of trial, even right now with Zoom trials going on, it is, it is long. It is emotional. It is a lot of just dredging up nasty things about the other person um, that the other, that each party will just say all sorts of things like in the other party will just have to take it. They will just have to sit there. You have to listen to your ex just, just th throwing things out there about you, all the negative history. Um, your lawyer can object, but they'll probably still start saying it's gonna, it. It's, it's <laughs> out there. It's still out there. It'll be out there. Yes. That's right. That's right. In front of, in front of someone, let's be honest, in front of someone who frankly doesn't really know you but will be making the most important decisions about your money and your children um, at the end of the day, because you have handed that over to this individual. And, and so I have been in front of many judges who were, I would say some of the best judges, they were prepared, they were attentive, they were you know engaged and involved. And frankly, it pains them to be in a situation to have to make the decision about somebody's child or their finances. And then I've also appeared before other judges who have no interest in being there, who have no idea what's going on, who could care less because they have 50 other cases that they need to get to within two days on these very same or similar issues and it's all kind of bleeding together and yet you're handing them um again very important decisions and i think it's important that individuals understand and know that the pathways i i also think it's important to 
have people understand that going to court isn't your only option. There, there are different ways. I, you know, spent a career doing litigation. So I certainly um, am familiar with those cases where you don't have a choice. You need to litigate, you need to have a judge weigh in. But I'm always, always, always so surprised to hear from people, especially now when you have mediation, which in certainly in family law is becoming uh, a lot more popular than it was 10, 15 years ago. Um, you have collaboration, which again is, is seeing really great traction in movement that people still think that the, that the only way to get resolution is, um, is through litigation. But I, I want to kind of shift and talk a little bit about, you know, from a lawyer's perspective, the benefits of litigating a case, because there are some, there are some, you know, benefits. Um, and then you mentioned or a little bit earlier benefits of kind of mediation and collaboration, but, you know, from the lawyer perspective, what are your thoughts on kind of the benefits in these differing areas? Sure. So yeah, I can start with the benefits of litigation. I think litigation will give you resolution effectively. They, they'll give you a final, uh, someone will make the decision for you. It'll take it out of your hand if you're indecisive, I suppose, and you just cannot decide. Uh, the judge will do it for you. Yeah. Um, that sometimes is a good thing. Sometimes if you are just, I just can't figure out what the best path is. I don't know whether I can uh, like afford these expenses or I don't know what I, what my position is. Sometimes people just need that extra push to get them over the finish line and say, okay, here, this is how we can stop the bleeding um, and stop you from kind of spinning your wheels on everything. I think I've had many clients who they kind of like, well, what about this one last thing and one last thing? And yes. I'm like, you just need to be done. I am, I'm not saying you don't have a right to get that this isn't a marital uh, account or a marital property or something like that, but it's not worth fighting over the table or like the, whatever the last thing is. That's right. Um, and I think the judge just helps you give some finality to it and say, okay, now I have the closure. Now I can kind of move on. I, uh, and really kind of take it out of your hand and rather than blaming someone else, you can kind of blame the judge, I guess, so to speak. <laughs> um, but mediation and the collaboration, I do think like one common misconception with having the judge decide is that people think the judges will write these very detailed judgments that say like, um, will, how you'll parent your children, um, whether your kids get screen time, whether they very minutia things, right. oftentimes the judgments are just, here's the parenting schedule. Yep. You will share decision-making. That's it. It is 10 pages, Done. maybe. Uh, whereas in mediation or collaboration, these parenting agreements, because you who know your children are talking about specific considerations for your kids. Like if they, I had a case where we had a very attached stuffed animal for a child. So we had to figure out transportation for this stuffed animal yeah. aside from the kid's school, which is absolutely fine. And in mediation, we were able to do that. 
whereas if we had to, if we brought this in front of a judge, there's no way the judge would not have at all, not anything. At all. They would have just put the parenting plan that they thought was appropriate and then do it like that. Sometimes the parenting plans just don't work based on the party schedules either. Like if you work overnight shifts, yes. if you have inconsistent hours, the judges likely usually will default to what's kind of an easy schedule, right? They'll just put in place something that makes sense uh, and say, figure it out. You weren't able to kind of figure it out between the two of you. So I'm going to put something in place for you. Um, and that usually is not something that actually practically works with people's schedules on the whole, because what they're considering at the time is not like all of these things that kind of come out in the mediation and collaborative process. So I think that's one common misconception to kind of discuss here. I think another benefit really overall is just promoting like a more healthy, like emotional well-being following the divorce process as well. As I was mentioning before, litigation has a lot of negativity come out with it. Um, a lot of finger pointing, blaming, a lot of just bad, bad, like juju, bad everything. It is. It's a very, um, you know, the word that keeps coming in my head is toxic. It's a, it's a very toxic process because it's, it is truly the, we are going to just throw out anything and everything. Um, and, and it can feel very scorched earth approach and coming back from that is almost impossible. And, and the reality of it is the judge goes on with his or her day, the lawyers go on with their lives. And here you have this family that now has to either try to co-parent or has to try to figure out how to navigate, you know, whatever it is after all of that has been done. And that's a real thing that I think that people need to hear and understand, um, especially if you're in the mindset of saying, you know, I want, you know, the world to know that he treated me this way and I want the, and you know, on some level I get it, but the reality of it is divorce is not a win-lose situation. You know, there's not a judgment that's going to come out and say, you are 100% right. This person is a complete and utter disaster. And if there is that right up in that way, there's a good chance there's going to be an appeal. There's going to, you know, and that's going to certainly prolong the process and the cost because judges have to walk a fine line. They have to be neutral. They have to examine the facts and the testimony. And yes, maybe they will side with you on some things and they may not on, on other things. You have a greater voice in these processes, which are mediation and collaboration. But I do though wanna be realistic though, that there are in both mediation and collaboration, downside is, is not, um, how I'd want to look at it, but certainly there are some considerations. Uh, we'll say that that have to be have to be taken um, when you're thinking about mediation um, or collaboration. Can you speak to those for people considering those options as well? Sure, absolutely. I think transparency and communication are key. If you feel like your spouse, you have no idea, for example, what the finances are. This was the example I gave earlier. You have no idea what your finances are and you don't trust that your spouse will be able to give you a clear picture of what the finances are and that you aren't willing to sign off an agreement 
unless you know what those finances are, mediation is not going to be the place for you. That's right. That's right. You know, I would, I would add to that mediation, unless there is some um, either order or some sort of special circumstance, mediation is non-binding. And so one of the things that I think people really have to understand is you're coming to this process by agreement. The idea is to reach a full and final agreement, but unless and until those agreements and those terms are entered into a final order, people change their mind or there's, and so it's, it's really important for people to understand that mediation in most cases is non-binding. If you have a binding mediation, um, you've got to get very clear on that. Um, in family law, there are some cases which are subject to arbitration, but there's, um, there are special circumstances surrounding that. So it is important to consider that mediation is a non-binding process in most cases. Um, so when you go into that process, you have to really believe that we're gonna work out these terms, but we're both going to adhere to these terms until um, they are turned into the final uh, document. And then with collaboration, you know, there is the extra consideration. Um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, if collaboration doesn't work, then what happens? Sure. Yeah. So something important to note is that people sometimes use mediation and collaboration as gamesmanship to figure out their other spouse, their, their, their spouse's kind of strategy or desires, what their interests are. Uh, and then they try to dissolve the whole process and move forward with litigation. It's important to note that if you do that in collaborative divorce, that you cannot use the same attorney for the collaborative process as for litigation. Your attorney for the collaborative divorce process is only for the collaborative divorce process in the interest of trying to reach an agreement through that collaborative process. If you go to litigation, your collaborative well, divorce process yeah. is one. Uh, you will have to find a new litigation counsel. You will have to spend the fees for that litigation counsel to review anything and everything that was talked about in, or not, to, not talked about, but any, like anything you want to know about, you have to rebrief them about like any of your interests, any of your needs, any of your accounts, your financial situation, your children, anything like that. You'll have to take the time and start basically the entire process over because in both mediation and collaboration, these processes are confidential. You cannot bring any of the settlement negotiations, any of those discussions into litigated pleadings. So that's something else to kind of take into consideration as well. Uh, people try to use things said in mediation against the other person, again, outside of mediation, and that's not allowed. Um, so people have the misconception that, oh, I'll just like find out what they want and then use it <laughs> against them in litigation. That's yeah. not gonna fly. Um, right. So just being cognizant of the interplay here between those processes as well, I think is also important. That's fantastic. That That's really, really helpful and key for people to know because that is a game changer. If it doesn't work out, it's not as if the process just kind of keeps going. Oh, I learned in mediation or in mediation, you proposed X, Y, and Z. Nope. What happens in mediation stays in mediation. The same with collaborative. You have to get an entire new team. It is 
one of those things that I don't think people really get and understand. If you agree to go into the collaborative process, you're working with a collaboratively trained lawyer, they have an agreement that if the process doesn't work, they cannot represent you. And so you want to be really, really, really mindful that if I'm engaging in this process, I'm doing so in good faith because if it doesn't work, I do have to start all over again. And I think um, knowing that will really help people make some decisions, not just about which option works best for me, but also making sure that you're doing something um, that is intentional when you make the decision of engaging in such a way. So Stephanie, you know, I started Grown Girl Divorce because over the years, you know, I've had my own girlfriends who've come to me about, you know, divorce and, and family issues. And I recognize that having a girlfriend with the education and experience in divorce and family issues is a real benefit. I want other women, especially women of color, to have that same benefit. So I say to you, what do you tell your girlfriends who are considering divorce or going through a divorce about the different paths to getting their divorce done? Sure. I think with any of these three paths, it's important to prepare both emotionally and just generally just think about like what you want to do in the event that your spouse is not on the same page with you about the process that you want to go with. I think it's, it's really important to know these processes and be able to kind of talk intelligently about these processes, but it's also important to prepare in the event that your spouse does not agree with you on what process to take. Say you are like very, you think that mediation will be work. You think that it's good for your family and your spouse immediately files 10 pleadings in court and moves (laughs) us into litigation. Yes. I think before this process, what I tell people a lot of times, prepare yourself for the marathon and to best do that on the financial end, start making a list of your accounts. Think about what you have, make a list of kind of what debts you have, what cash you have, what assets you have to kind of split up the household, um, how you can start kind of living separate and apart. Um, If you want to keep stay in the house, like what that looks like, whether you have the financial means to do so, or if you feel like you're going to need some financial support and where those potential sources may come from. Um, If you don't know what accounts you have, start looking at your mail, Um, like see what kind of uh, statements come in, even if uh, people get the e-statements, they still get random mail. That's um, right. Yeah, or the institutions that hold their accounts anyway. Yes. Um, so as I think it's still required that they still send some mail things be a physical mail as well. So just start paying attention to what you're getting so that you can kind of start keeping track. Because a lot of times people come to me and they're like, I know he has 10 bank accounts. And I say, okay, do you know where? And they have, they have no idea. That's right. Uh, and I'm like, okay. I can't subpoena every bank in the whatever 50 mile radius of your house, trying to see which one he might have accounts at. Um, I think in addition to that on the parenting side, if you do have children really starting to think about like what, what activities are your children involved in? Can you take them? Can your spouse take them? What is that going to look like in practical, in practicality? I think a lot of people get stuck in the, I want 50, 50 parenting time. I say, okay, but then 
what does that look like? What does that look like? What are your children's activities? Like what are, what are the actual hours that you're going to be with your kids? Right. It's not going to just be like the every other weekend. A lot of the times kids have activities on the weekend, especially more so now they're getting kind of overscheduled if anything, um, really thinking about, okay, you can't, it's not going to be an exact hour for hour. Yes. Um, I think people, my most meticulous clients will schedule out the day and say, well, under this schedule, he's getting one hour more than I am. And I'm like, well, because you have to work late on this day. And that's exhausting. Okay. And nobody has, that, that is so exhausting and not helpful. And, you know, I, I, when I hear those type of approaches to a schedule, I go apoplectic. That is totally a conversation for another day, me going apoplectic on people doing things like that. But what I'm hearing from you, it's all about preparing. It's all about knowing your options and it's being observant. I, I think those things are key. That way, when you're considering the different process uh, processes to get to a divorce, you have the information. Um, and I think that makes all the difference. Thank you so much, Stephanie. It has been such a pleasure chatting with you today. You know, you've given us some great information about different paths, including collaboration, mediation, and litigation to resolve a divorce. So we thank you, thank you, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me again. Uh, this has been really great. Thank you for listening to the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast. Remember, though you may be going through a difficult time, you're grown and you got this. Please be sure to tell your girlfriends about us. Follow us on Instagram at Grown Girl Divorce and subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss out on any new conversations. The conversations on this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to substitute working directly with a lawyer. These episodes are not to be used as a basis to support or defend any legal action and transcripts or recordings of the podcast may not be used for any purpose without the direct written permission of the podcast owner.